Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Here with IPC, we understand that following Jesus involves hearing the invitation of Jesus to come and be with him, living in the everyday, and yet so the being in Jesus. We as Inglewood Church understand being a disciple, being a Christian, to rest on one definitive event. I saw another pastor joke when he was asked if he knew exactly when he was saved. He said, yeah, on an April three o'clock in the afternoon or so, about 2,000 years ago, meaning Jesus has already accomplished this for us. Jesus then invites us to live out our everyday lives with him and with each other, which is where these rhythms of gathering with God's people and living in the everyday and befriending others fit in. Some months ago, I planted this tree right here as part of our Sunday gathering, and it's it's doing well. It's rooted deeply into the soil and it's ready to go when spring hits. Here's the thing. This seedling does not create the soil that it needs. It's given the soil and all the nutrients with it as a gift. And being fed by that gift, the tree grows up strong. And so it is with us. But there are some things that God's people have found especially nourishing, especially helpful during these centuries as God has been building and growing and keeping and preserving his people. There are many of these I could point to, but one in particular that God's people have found especially useful is what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, honored hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, Forgive us our debts the way we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but rescue, deliver us from evil because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, meaning that it is sure and certain that God hears and responds when we talk with our Father who loves us. And the way this particular prayer nourishes us is to bring us into conversation with God and to answer the questions we have about what kinds of things we would talk about when we're spending time with God. So we want to eat on God's words, to feed on him and his presence, to rest and trust in him, to, to exercise our faith. But what does it sound like when we do that? Well, it's, it sounds like the Lord's Prayer. And so phrase by phrase, over time, we, we learn that, of course, we can say anything on our heart. We just talk. We can yell. We can scream. We can mope. We can whatever is going on for us. Just talk to the Father who loves us. But phrase by phrase, over time, to 
let our prayer sound like speaking with a father who loves us, who's in heaven and powerful, who's capable of doing for us beyond what we can even imagine, whose name we honor because he's worthy of more honor than we could possibly generate on our own. That we want his his rule, his reign, his will to extend in us and through us out into the world for shalom and goodness and wholeness to be rewoven in this place the way it has remained rightly woven in heaven and and on and on through the prayer these words are rich with nourishment for us as god's people to build and grow and become what god created us to be of course, one way to use the Lord's Prayer is, of course, to uh, just say it as is, repeat it. Sort of like one way to make muffins is to buy a prepackaged mix. Now, this is food, and the Lord's Prayer, if we just say those exact same words, is, is prayer. But a better way is to use it like a cookbook. Now, again, I can read a recipe, follow it directly. But a recipe invites me to riff a little bit. What if I want a little sweeter, add a little sugar? What if I want it a little less salty? I cut it back. And here's the thing. Cookbooks come with histories. This cookbook is from my mother-in-law. There's notes in here, and she's an amazing chef. The best way to use this cookbook is with her and with her memories. It's this cookbook. It's an invitation to relationship. And so is the Lord's Prayer. To pray these words that Jesus gave us and pray them with him, in intimacy with him, partnership with him, to learn from him as we use these words and feast on them. And so we can do with the Ten Commandments or the Psalms, any part of Scripture, to take these words and not simply recite them, but to own them and internalize them, and then to mix and match and recombinate and express ourselves and hear God express himself in them too. And this, by the way, is the rightful place of the creeds and the catechisms that the church has developed over the centuries that God's people experiencing him and his care and his provision have chosen carefully, phrase by phrase, these confessions of faith, these agreements with God or the story that he has invited us into. And they are rich nourishment for us to phrase by phrase, think about, meditate on, pray even as Martin Luther and many others have encouraged us to do over the centuries. Each and every one of these things is given to us as a gift to grow us into God himself. And at the same time, none of these are going to be at their best when we treat them like ready mix, as if we can simply save them by rote and, and magic things happen. Though by all means, start there, start somewhere. 
But God, in his mercy and his grace and his reaching out to us, has given us the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, the Psalms, and yes, the creeds and confessions of the church over these last centuries. To draw our hearts out to him, to root down deep into God's love for us. Every single one of these tools is given to us as a gift so that we may live not just with some sort of head knowledge, as just words, but may live in this world as it truly is, a world that is enchanted with the presence of God. That our everyday lives throughout the week, not just one hour on Sunday or an hour on Sunday and an hour some other time of the week with a small group, but literally all 168 hours a week we can live, and yes, that includes our sleep, we can live in a world that is fully alive with the God of love who pervades all things because he created all things to reflect his glory and communicate with us, his creatures. This is precisely why so many of us experience God most immediately, most directly when we're out in the beauty of nature. Sometimes in the environments that we construct, whether it's a simple park bench or a church building, we can forget that God is in all things. And not that we're going to follow full on into animism, but we do want to, as Christians, people who believe that Jesus created all things and all things are for him, that he can be experienced in all things, that this world is enchanted with Jesus. It's Jesus himself, after all, who gave us all these stories about seeds and planting and a woman who is looking for a coin, stories about farmers and thieves, and, well, there was one about some grapevines. See, it's Jesus himself who reminds us, and not just reminds us, tells us that our life in him is like these grapevines behind me that look so dead, but actually can produce grapes that look like this. And the point of his story to his disciples in that upper room the night before he was going to be crucified is to tell them that as they and we rest in him, absorb him, grow in him, grow in Jesus, that the good and loving Father's intention for us is that we would bring forth a harvest that in humbly receiving what we could not possibly make for ourselves, we will grow gifts and goodness for others to be like our Father in heaven who gives and gives and gives and is infinitely full of joy and love and peace. The part of our Bible we call the New Testament is mostly either biographies of Jesus or letters from various Christian leaders to folks in those first few decades of the growth of the early church. And one of them is by the Apostle Paul to folks in the city of Ephesus, so part of what we now know as the nation of Turkey. And what's fascinating about Paul's letter is 
he spends the first almost half of his letter outlining the gospel, outlining just the good news of Jesus, the things that we have received, the things we did not do for ourselves, what God has done for us, a free gift. And then he shifts from that into the implications of this. If we have been given this free gift, then we ought to give freely. And if we have been included in God's family for nothing good that we have done, then we, by all rights and necessity, must be people who include in our lives whomever God includes in his family, that the nations are united in Jesus. But then he gets to this. He gets to this. He shares a prayer that he has. The Apostle Paul, for these Christians that he has mentored, that he loves, that he yearns for, that he hopes all kinds of things for, he brings it all together and he sums up in this prayer. He says, for this reason, that what Jesus has done and who we are made as one family in him, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and I pray that he, the Father, may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Holy Spirit, and that Christ Jesus may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints all God's people, what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses all knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God himself. This is an invitation to an enchanted life from start to finish, from the creation of the world through the redemption accomplished by Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago to my and your life today. This is an invitation to a life enchanted, pervaded, infused, filled with all the fullness of God. And the invitation to us, every single one of us, is to step into this larger reality that is found only through the God who made us, who stepped into history for us, who loves us, redeems us, and now invites us to live in him, to know his love that surpasses understanding, to be filled with all the fullness of God himself. And the starting point for each of us is exactly the same place, to simply say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Make me part of your people. And from that moment when we just give ourselves to God, to let Jesus bring us to the Father who loves us, from that moment, through all the rhythms of everyday life, intertwined with God's people, befriending others as he's befriended us and growing deep into his love, being rooted and grounded in love. In all these things, our life becomes him. And in him, 
we receive everything. As Paul himself puts it to his friends right after praying for them. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that he works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. My prayer is that each of us will take this step today, if we haven't already, and that each of us will take our next step today, and our next step tomorrow, and our next step the day after that, living the full enchanted life that the Father who loves us invites us into.